Welcome to episode 816 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 816 of I Am Talk, take two. Yep. We're having technical problems with our gear lately, team, I'll tell you. And I've got to say, do we do the same conversation about We're the top? We've got the same conversation. John's, John's wearing. <laughs> the Iron Man Talk Collector's Edition top. The elastic's fraying in places or it's, it's getting a little sticky when I put it on. But it's probably, we were discussing on take one. years old? At least 13 years old. I'd say pro- this is probably the very first ones that came out. So... I'd yeah, oh, definitely, that's the first one. Yeah, I'd be saying closer to 15 years old. Still fits. We're saying, because we, 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 originally the show was called Iron Man Talk, and Iron Man Talk was, when we first started the show, Gordo goes to us, you probably shouldn't call it Iron Man Talk because they'll come at you. And they couldn't come at us, but then we went to Kona the first year and they said, oh, you, you Iron, Talk, Iron Man Talk, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't come to anything if, if you're going to be named that. We're like, oh, okay, now we're Iron Talk. That's right. But the good thing is, I was saying to John earlier, in the first round, um, you still fit it. Yeah. Getting a little tight. Well, it was quite a loose fitting top anyway. Uh, but good Kiwi quality. Kiwi made, these ones. Were they? Yep. Good Kiwi so quality. It's all yeah, good. Okay. All righty-o then. Uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... You almost said Iron Man Talk then, no, didn't you? Really did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back in time. Uh, Aiden, Mr. Moo Mulan. We've got the mighty Rob Flynn. And Brian Hellraiser Hagen. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview with Brenton Ford from Effortless Swimming. So, we're going to talk some swim technique. And as I found out when I emailed Brenton, saying the Mountain Snail has been getting on to me, saying, should get him on the show at some stage. And didn't realize that Brenton actually interviewed us nine years ago uh, on his podcast. So, uh, yeah, he's got some great insight into swimming and some good tips for you guys. Age group of the week, wing of the week, questions and answers at the end. Okay, well, we don't have any results. Nothing happened over the weekend, but we do have some exciting racing coming up. And the first race is the African Championships Ironman South Africa. What's happening, Jobbo? Last year we had uh, Maurice Clavel take it out. Um, close race with Sebastian Keenlay. Overtook him on the run. And Rasmus Svensson was in third. Ruth Astle took out the females in front of Anna Watkinson and Jade Roberts. Uh, so this year lining up, I think we've got Joe Skipper, who's probably going to dominate. You know, he's really been stepping it up for the last couple of years. But there is a trio of Germans, Andy Buscherer, Franz Lotsky and Nils Fromhold, uh, who will be nipping at his heels along with Jesper Svensson. Uh, so it's a good, strong, steady field. But Joe Skipper has showed he's, uh, you know, when he's on, he's a step above, you know, uh, and a real sort of Kona contender um, so I'd expect him to go out there and smash it got a couple of interesting debuts on the male side Colin Cartier or Chartier uh, who was the American who got pulled into the Collins Cup team oh, last yeah. year yep. and actually performed really well yeah, he did didn't he uh, along with Bradley Weiss a South African so those two could uh, mix things up a little bit also just some, some random names Kyle Buckingham's racing but Michael Raylert 
Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah they, they're always on bloody start lists, but uh, hopefully hopefully he does. Yeah, he was a beast of a 70.3 athlete. There was a moment where he was like unbreakable at 70.3, mm. wasn't there? And, and I'm pretty sure he won the when Dubai. they had the, the game-changing race in Dubai yeah. that didn't really change many games at all. Just paid them a lot of money. Paid them a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, great athlete in his time. Few female sort of things? Yeah, we've got a, a steady field, no sort of standout, so we should see a really good race, I'd hope. Sarissa De Vere's is seeded number one on Torsten's ratings. Got Daniela Ballet Mayer, uh, Susie Cheatham, Emma Billum, uh, Kylie Simpson from Australia. Uh, so, yeah, nice steady field, but no sort of standouts. So, we would think that, you know, could have a really good race on the female side. It is a championship race, this yeah, one. Yeah, 150,000. Mm, 150,000 is good money for pro Ironman athletes. Three female and male pro slots. Joe Skip has already got his, so that's going to roll down um, regardless of where he finishes. So, you know, we're going to have another six athletes, uh, you know, punching their ticket to go to Kona. Okay, the, the more exciting race we're having this weekend is the Oceanside 70.3, and we've got some punch, big hitters punching in this one. We have indeed. Ben Knutes won the last two editions on the, the male side, Paula Finlay and Daniela Reef on the females. Uh, Lionel Sanders won it a couple of times, Jan Fredino's won it three times. But it bring, this, this race often brings out the big kahunas. And big field, nearly 90 pro athletes. Yeah, no, this is a very strong field. Uh, very excited to see Lionel Sanders versus Alistair Brownlee versus Sam Long. Um, whether you know, Lionel and Sam can can uh, rustle the strength up on the bike to ride up to, to Brownlee and the other fellas that will be up the front because Ben Canute, I'm sure, will be trying to ride with uh, Alistair Brownlee. Rudy Von Berg's not too bad a swimmer and Sam Appleton is usually up the front there as well. But, you know, this is a quality field that goes a long way down. You've got guys like Jackson Laundry, um, Jason West, who had a really good race recently at one of those uh, clash events. You got all the way down, like 19th seed is Cody Beals, David McNamee, uh, some big names a long way down the list. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this um, pans out. And on the female side, we've got an awesome field as well. The the big battle up front will be Taylor Nibb versus Daniela Reef versus Paula Finlay versus Holly Lawrence, Chelsea Sedara, Jackie Herring, Sky Monch. This is the sort of racing we hopefully will see when we have these PTO races later on in the year, is these are high quality fields, and that's what we want to see um, consistently. Is you know a less dilution of the elite races um, and having quality fields, which we can get really excited about, rather than you know just one or two people sort of riding off the front or running off the front and, and not making it much of a spectacle. So because w- with this race, if if Brownlee rides off and has like a five minute lead off the bike, which is not yeah. Do you think that's possible? Oh, he's done it before. Like when he did that St. George race, he just absolutely obliterated everybody. But we know he can explode. So everything's still in play, even when it goes on to the run. You know, he did one of those challenge races one year, uh, the ones around the track, and he was at the front, either at the front or close to the front, and then you know, he had to DNF because he was that's injured. Right. Yeah. So I think the thing with this, even if he is off the front, everything's still in play because he's got some awesome runners behind him and he's going to have to race really, really well to beat them. The thing I'm curious about with Brownlee, do you think he still loves triathlon? Uh, well, I would have thought he just hasn't ticked that long course box where he's... Not to the level... To the was, level that yeah. he wants to, so I'd say that's that's pretty motivating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, he's, he loves to race, so yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. A lot of those short course guys, when they come to the long course, like we think of Doherty, never really had the love for it. Mm, they wanted to do it, but yeah. you know, I don't think that's um, you know, it can be a blanket statement for all of them. No, uh, no, of course not. But you mm. know, I'm just kind of curious. Um, it, so, 
you made this point the first time around is that Oceanside's got a stacked field this year, and one of the reasons is probably because we have the, the St George happening in the end of May. Mm. Got to have. There's not that many races going on at this time of year, so you got to find what you can. You know, there's a few in South America that's been going on, but it's you know it's a bit of a hassle to go down there when there's bugger or money. But for a lot of these guys, you know, their training base might be in California, or it might be in Boulder. It's a pretty easy easy trip to, to cruise down to California to do this race. So looking forward to it. Hopefully they do some good live coverage. Um, hopefully it's not a draft fest on the bike and we see some good little group dynamics happening. Uh, so it's going to be good times. Okay, also Vincent Louis is also having another crack at doing a half Ironman in a challenge race in Salou. Um, interesting with Vincent Louis, and we were talking earlier, we're, one thing in the game, we pretty much get to about here. Uh, <laughs> but um, I was talking about the greatest Olympic distance athletes who haven't won an Olympic medal. Uh, we often talk about with Kona, we say who are the greatest non-Kona winners? Mm. You know, think of like a Andreas Raylert or someone mm-hmm. like that. Um, in the Olympics, you're kind of thinking back, and what's with some of the names you came up with? Quite a bit, but you mentioned Vincent Louis, and, and he certainly is an athlete that he, he has a team's medal, but not an individual. Yeah, medal. He had, he had, he's had a couple of cracks at it, and his peak has been was sort of around this COVID time, you know, 2019, 2020. He was really firing on uh, on all cylinders. So, unfortunate timing for him because I think he was injured last year. Uh, so, he's had a couple of cracks and hasn't been able to, to make it. So, for him to go through to 2024, he'll be a little bit long in the tooth. But he's got a the swim card to play, which means he's always in the game in terms of any potential breakaways. And potentially, you know, guys like Alex Yee and Hayden Wild, if they're if they have a bad swim, they could be out the back door and it could be race over for them. Um, a bit like what Mario Mola used to be like. So he's got, uh, you know, he is one that hasn't got an Olympic medal. Um, He's been training quite hard for this, this half Ironman from what I can see. He has gone from doing a nine-minute race a few weeks ago we talked about now to doing a half Ironman. But in terms of others, I, I was just vaguely thinking about it. And Brad Bevan, you know, there's quite a few guys in the, the 90s. Who kind of only had one chance, didn't they? Yeah, and he didn't even qualify, so he didn't get the chance to do it. But he didn't get a world title either. But he was one of those athletes, best athlete in the world, not to have a world title. Couldn't think of... Too many off the, you know, straight away that were, that were dominators on the, on the world's, you know. And the other thing is, with circuit. the Olympics, you do get three medals. So, like, you know, um, you know, if you said Olympic gold medal, be a different beast, you yeah. know, like like a Javier Gomez, you mm. know, but he's had Olympic medals. Mm. So I couldn't couldn't name any names straight away. If I had a look through the record books, I'm sure we can find a few. But um, Vincent Louis probably is the one. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Mario Moller, actually, now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, true. He was a dominator, uh, and he's not even got close. Um, on the female side, you know, and I think either the greatest athletes, Emma Snowstill, Flora Duffy, um, Gwen Jorgensen. So, those were, you know, some of the big hitters, some of the English uh, females, like uh, Vicky Holland, yeah, she was always really good. Um, oh, Paula Finlay, who's now doing long course, she for a couple of years she was awesome. Um, our own Andrea Hewitt, she was never a dominator though, but she was she a, a very con- successful career, yeah, didn't she? But she was always a contender. So yeah, there's definitely a few in there. But so here's a question for you: Vincent Louis going long, like either he's probably hangs around for at least two years to get to the Olympics, but after the Olympics, you pretty much guarantee he's moved on. Um, what's his pedigree? And going forward, I, th- I think he'll stick with the short course. Uh, For at least two years. But yeah, but uh, quite a few of them are trying their hand at 70.3 this year. No, but I mean, like, if he goes long course, let's say he tries to go Kona in four or five years from now, 
He yeah. is getting a bit long in the tooth then, but... He hasn't shown to me that he's going to be a dominator at this distance yet, whether or not he's... Because, you know, he's only done a couple of performances um, and they haven't been... Holy crap! This is amazing. Yep. Uh, he did the the recent one that he did. He crashed. So you got to give him a bit of slack there. Yep. And the other ones, maybe he didn't train that seriously for them. So, but pedigree wise, I mean, he's a he's a always at the front in the swim. He's always you know one of the best runners, and he's not a slouch on the bike. So yeah, I think we've just got to wait and see on him. Okay, good times. Uh, the World Twenty Twenty Four. The Long Course World Championships under the World Triathlon banner are going to be held in Townsville, and it's the third time lucky for them. It is indeed. They tried to have it uh, pre-COVID, got postponed, tried to have it sort of mid-COVID, got cancelled, and now it's going to 2024, which is which is great for Australia. It's a cool location up in Townsville. Not that I've been there, but anywhere in Australia is generally pretty good to, to go for a uh, extended sort of holiday. Is Townsville the Knights? Is that where Newcastle Knights is? No, no, Newcastle is just out of Australia. Out of Australia, yeah, uh, just out of so <laughs> just out of Sydney. A Townsville Broncos, no, Townsville don't have a rugby league team, do they? I don't know. Oh, I thought they did. No, okay. you're the rugby league aficionado. Well, yeah, but I don't know, I don't really know my geography that well. Yeah, no, Townsville's uh, north of Kent, isn't it, or somewhere around Kent? Oh, I don't know. Sorry, Australians, my my geography's not. Tell you what, do you do Worldle? The Cowboys, the Cowboys, the Cowboys are uh, Townsville Cowboys. Well, the well, North Queensland Cowboys. Oh, right, North yep. Queensland. Yep. Do you do world, oh, yeah. Worldle? Wordle. No, Worldle. No, what's oh, it's a similar thing, is it? Worldle, you get a picture of a country and you've got to try to guess it. And they just have so many obscure ones. So it's like Wordle. So you, like, you get like the four, map of New Zealand? No, you get a map. It just gives you a, yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. It just gives you a map of a country yep. and you've got to try to guess what country is. And each time it tells you how close you are and what direction the country is. They have lots of just the most obscure islands in the middle of nowhere uh. that nobody has, and then they'll intermix that in with a country that's, okay, okay. that was Sweden, great, that was whatever. Well, I was watching, I was wasting time on the internet the other day, and there was a guy, they play Google Maps, mm-hmm. and what they do is you get, you basically you're playing someone else somewhere in the world, and you get a picture of a street somewhere, and you've got to mm-hmm. guess where it is. And these guys would get like getting it every time, and, and, and like within like you know like fifty k or hundred k of the location. Yeah, mm. that was. That was <laughs> like, they show a road. Oh, that's that's Melbourne. Bang. That's right. Bangladesh. Bang. That's ah, so they're, they're big high street. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. No, it was like a country random. road in the middle of nowhere. Random. It was very random, but these guys were nailing it. Back to my point though, you get all these countries that you just go, you don't know where to start. You just have to take a guess and and then try to figure it out from there. And then you so did something you're getting into. Yeah, we and then you say it was Australia. It's like that was that that was a pretty easy. What one. about Wordle? Are you doing Wordle? Do Wordle a bit, yeah. yeah. And Quirtle. I struggle a bit with Quirtle. What's Quirtle? You got four words. You got to get there's four there's four ta- tables of Wordle going at a time. Oh, that's really yeah. hard work. Yeah. Have you? How many mistakes have you made with Wordle? Oh, a hundred percent record. Oh, that's good. I've got. Yeah. I made three. Early yeah. on, I wasn't caring. <laughs> Early on, I was kind of randomly doing whatever, and then, then I was like, "Oh, they, the records count." Yeah. So, okay. So uh, the, the other thing with this uh, Townsville World Championships in Australia, twenty twenty four, is World Triathlon Long Course. Uh, they'll have the duathlon. They'll have the Xterra. They'll have an aquathon. They'll have a long course triathlon. Um, but it's also the same year that's coming to Torpor for. The the 70.3 world champs so you can have your cake and eat it potentially oh, and go cake and eat it. And do, do two world championships if you want to have an extended break because I'm imagining that the world long course champs will likely be around September time but I could be wrong there and uh, Torpor will be in 
the start of December, I believe. So have an extended holiday. Come down to Australia and Australia, and then come down to Nouvelle Zealand. Nouveau Zealand. Bit of Francais in there. Throw a bit of Francais in there for you, Bevan. Okay, we have got a solid lineup coming for Root coming up. We're listing the male side of the race. We've got Langer, we've got Long, and we've got Keenlay. And Long has stated that he wants to go and do Root. It's an iconic race he's always wanted to do. However, he's not going to be going to Kona. Um, Firstly, he hasn't qualified, so that means he's got to do an Ironman somewhere to qualify. Uh, And secondly, he wants to go for 70.3 World Champs, which this year is after Kona. Uh, It's about three weeks after Kona. So I'm picking that whoever wins Kona probably not going to win 70.3 world champs it'll be a pretty big high to come off it's not saying it's impossible but you know you go go to Kona you tape it for a week if you win it you're gonna have a lot of probably have a lot of commitments that week after and you probably want to do a bit of partying and then two weeks later you've got to have a peak performance so not saying it's impossible but I'm saying it's very difficult it's very conceivable that someone that goes to Kona that doesn't necessarily win might win the 70.3 world champs but Long has put his name in the hat saying I'm focusing on 70.3 worlds I want to win and uh, I say good on him because he hasn't got any Kona experience he's young he's got plenty of years in front of him and it would derail his year going and doing an Ironman to qualify where well, you've got to go well these days and then you've got to go and do Kona and then try to win a 70.3 world champs. But he's, he's doing St. George. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Well, we did talk about this earlier in the first edition of the show, um, but I actually think this is a problem. And, and I know you're saying it's not necessarily a trend they're going to move towards, but New Zealand's going to be after Kona. And what's happening is Sam Long is a big player in this game. You know, middle he hasn't done Kona. And it's he has, 70.3. He hasn't shown any, but, anything at long course. But he's someone you want at Kona, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. You know, and putting 70.3 world champs after Kona, to me, is a massive mistake. And I get that at times, because they're trying to share it around the world, that's going to have to be the case. But mm. It would definitely be a diluted field whenever yeah. it's after Kona. Yeah. Um, Both because some people are going to go, well, let's focus on a 70.3. And then some Kona athletes are going to go, oh, I can't be bothered. So I'm just having a quick look at Sam Long's Ironman record. He did Tulsa last year. He finished 13th place. Uh, he did a 52-minute swim, 4.16 on the bike, and a 2.56 run. Uh, he, DNF, well, he was going to do Chattanooga. Something happened there. Ironman Florida, he finished third uh, with a 55, a 4.07, and a 2.45. Um, and he did win Ironman Chattanooga, uh, but he only did that with a 3.06 on the run. So, and he had a fifth at Ironman Bold that year. So his 70.3 and half Ironman credentials are awesome. His Ironman credentials are unproven. So I think good decision. Got He's only 24. He's got plenty of time in front of him. And this year, go for the 70.3 Worlds. PTO have announced the course for the Canadian Championship race. Uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty interesting, John. It is. So, yeah, the Canadian Open, they, they made a bit of a faux pas when they posted this on Facebook. Firstly, they had their swim, they put their swim map or their maps up there, and the swim said 25 kilometres. I was oh, thinking geez, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a change, long It changes swim. the game. It does. But okay, let's, let's just stupidly answer that. Who wins if it's a 25 kilometre swim? Because uh, that's a long swim. Who would. Well, you probably go Fredino's going to win anyway, and he's a good swimmer, so you probably go Fredino. But if you thought... 25k, but that's a long swim. It is. If you're a swimmer, that's a massive advantage. Yeah. So maybe someone like a Josh Amberger is a, is a really good swimmer. Um, or the other Australian guy with the bloody mohawk, or the, 
he got, I shouldn't laugh, he was, because they had that couples race a few weeks yep, ago, yep, yep. and his partner is Ashley Gentle, and I can't remember his name for the life of me at the yep. moment, they were flying over there, he got detained at the US border, oh, everything taken off him for three days or something like Why? that, he couldn't, because he didn't have a visa or something like that, uh. Didn't nobody could get in touch with him, he didn't have his phone, they wouldn't let him do anything, and then he got shipped off back to Australia. Jeez, really? That's a bit scary. Um, well, they'll get your visa. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, make sure you have all those yeah, things yeah, ticked off. Yeah. I've been in a similar situation in a different country. It was a lot more scary. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, the PTO Open, Canadian Open. I don't know whether they've done this uh, through design in terms of wanting a really cool course we, we talked about last week with lots of laps or whether they did it because of restrictions with traffic management and what have you. Cool thing is, uh, the bike is laps of 20 kilometres. Yeah, it's good. So it's going to be good. And, and how many laps, how, how long is the bike? Uh, it'll be 80. Uh, so it'll be four laps. Okay. Hilly, we should see plenty of action there. And then the run is laps of six kilometres, uh, or must be there or thereabouts, because they normally run 18. Oh, it'll be doing three laps on the run, because I think they run 18 kilometres. 2K swim, 80K bike, 18 so four laps, run. three laps. So I think it'll be great. In terms of, for the age groupers, maybe not so great when you've got if they have a ton of age groupers on there and you're doing laps of 20 kilometres, maybe not quite so fun. Uh, the good thing is I also saw on there is they're going to have the women on Saturday, the men on Sunday. So great opportunities if you want to be a spectator. Uh, so could be, should be cool. Now with the... Gail Harvey Hayward, we said this on take one, Bevan's uh, 2-0 uh, with a yawning. He's actually 4-0 now because we've... we've uh, okay, well, I had a terrible s- night's sleep. So what happened was I couldn't get to sleep. You know how sometimes you can't get to sleep because you're either hyped up or you can't get to sleep because you're stressed about something? Well, I had neither. I'm just sitting here just going, go to sleep, Isles. You're getting ready for daylight savings changing. Oh, oh this weekend. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, no, so, yeah. So I, 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 I had a terrible night's sleep. So there's going to be yawning today, team. Uh, what are we talking about? So... Going to John's short course update. No, no. The, what's the age group race? Yep. Will they be racing when? Uh, I think they're racing on Sunday morning. Okay. So they can put their feet up and watch the females watch race. The day before. And then uh, go and party and watch the guys. So hopefully they put the guys, you know, nice afternoon race or after all the age groupers, not before. So then you do actually get to kick back and relax. Yeah. Hopefully that's the case. Okay. John's short course update. Just a little bit of updates because we're, we're starting to get into the tri-season um, on the Northern Hemisphere. We've got Super League coming up uh, the weekend after next. We'll talk a bit more about next week. But it's going to be uh, three races um, for the Arena Games, which is the indoor version where they swim in a pool, bike on Zwift and then run on Zwift. going to be um, on 9th of April in Munich, 23rd of uh, April in London and uh, 6th of May in Singapore. Uh when we had an email a few weeks ago from somebody who said it was really reasonably priced to go and watch it in London, I'd urge you guys to go and yeah, see Yeah, it was like 18 bucks. Yeah. yeah. It should be awesome. Get some atmosphere going. Be good. Uh, good afternoon. Here's yeah. a question. Do you say bucks overseas? Bucks? Yeah. I uh, don't know. So we're talking dollars there? Yeah. You got bucks? 20 bucks, mate? Probably not in, in the UK, but maybe in America and Australia. I don't yeah. know. It's the pound in, America, in the UK. Uh, quid. It's quid, quid in, in the UK. Yeah. Got a quid. Uh, so that was a bit of short course news, a bit of short course news, but a little bit for our Kiwi audience and for uh, those overseas. Andrea Hansen, who used to be Andrea Hewitt, is back in the game. She did a very solid second place at the weekend in an uh, elite race in New Zealand that I was over there watching, and she did awesome. She 
it got a bit dominated in the swim. It was a breakaway of four out of the swim, and she wasn't part of it. And she managed to ride up to them by herself wow. uh, and get on there, and then get, got second out of that group. So she's trying to qualify for the Com Games, and that was a pretty important race. Uh, it's how, got many, some how many do we take? Three? We've got three, and we've probably got one or two that are sort Garrity's. of shoo-ins, and then there's several that are going for that third spot, but Andrea put herself in the mix. Will she be in the problem of, they'll go, well, we want future development, or will they take her? Don't She's know She's a good story that. for the triathlon. Yeah, don't know. If you had somebody that you're going, this person really is a future star. Yeah. But if they, you do the performances, you're kind of like... What, what's the criteria? When does it... Uh, who knows with bloody COVID stuff these days. Yeah. Don't really know. Okay, this week's discussion. When you're struggling with motivation for training, what tools do you use? So we've got some good answers here, actually. Uh, John Boy, I'll go first. I'm going to say good old Richard Swan's got, if I paid for it, then it is in the fact that I am so tight, I want to get value for money, which often works for people. Absolutely, yeah. especially if you've got either coaching or you've got an event that you're, you're yeah. building up for. Uh, That's why people pay for things. Yeah. Uh, Neil Hastings, buy flash new expensive gear. Yeah, a lot of people do do that. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody um, somebody said, uh, Robert Williams said, all the gear plus no idea. Yeah, we know that one. Good old Brett Chan's got, uh, go join a group workout. They may not be exactly the plan, but having the group will motivate and energize you and is way better than skipping a day. In the long run, find a training partner or training partners to keep you inspired and know your why and remind yourself. And then good old Devin Stenson has got Brett Chan, this can be easily to let slip from your mind. Know your why and remind yourself either. So he likes that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Dean Muggeridge says, if I don't, Sonia will go and narc to Genia. So I'm picking Sonia's probably his wife yep. or partner and then Gina is probably the coach. So he's got to do it because someone would be a telltale. Speaking of Gina, what's that name of Gina? Gina Crawford? Yeah. Uh, she's still around. She's got her kids some, come, sometimes come and do my events. Oh, great. Uh, good old uh, Duncan Penfold's got the sunk cost theory. If I quit now, I've wasted the last 10 minutes and 150Ks or whatever. Um, and even worse, I'll have to do it over again. So the easier option is just to get going. Eric Chit said, HTFU and do that work. Good old Mark Bishop's got start smack talking your mates. Snap talking. God, how old are you? Yeah, that's, that's good, what my mate. kids do. Yeah. Uh, Mark Sissons, uh, call up some friends and go enjoy some training with other people around. Feels like it is recharging the mind and mental health at the same time. Have you done Connie? I have not. Connie Walters done Woody. Uh, remind yourself that you're worth showing up for. Do a Simon Says workout. Advice from Simon Whitfield back in a day. Tell yourself to go to work out for 20 minutes. That's all. If you're feeling it after that, your body is probably trying to tell you something. Most of the time, though, you'll keep going. But most especially, that thing first. Oh, and make the workout dates with friends is awesome as well. Last one I'll do, Clive Granger. Sign up for a race only weeks away. Nothing like a race to keep the focus. Or have a good word with yourself. If it is not fitting in with your other objectives, then be honest with yourself. You will feel so uh, so much better. Keep fit uh, and don't race. Good old hot chick, Kylie Cox. The Colonel. She's got a, <laughs> yep, my bestie, Gail Harvey Hayward. We keep each other together on tough days. Gail loved the uh, Pete Jacobs interview last year. She was raving about it oh, last week. She was raving about it last night. Good stuff. Okay, uh, John, but what do you do? Uh, I, well, I've generally not 
too struggle too much on a personal level to go out training. It's more of a if a time issue. If I, something comes up, then occasionally I can skip things. So I just generally have a bit of a word to myself in terms of I know what works for me on the training front is consistency. And if I lose that consistency, then things start to fall apart and I don't necessarily uh, hit the objectives that I want to do to build up for a particular race. So I've always got in my mind, uh, you know, it's usually a campaign driven. So for, for example, at the moment, it's building up to 70.3 in Hawaii and I know what I need to do to get in shape for that and a big part of that is consistency. So if I was to miss a session um, for whatever reason, I know that that has a, you know, a trickle down effect to that race. So for me, it's always about having that end goal and sort of understanding the process that I need to follow to, to get there. I've got to say, I never miss a session. Hmm. I can't remember the last time I missed this. Now, admittedly, half of my exercises is in my job. Mm. So, but even if I plan to do a session, I'll do it. Sometimes when it's hitting objectives, mm. that's a bit more of a battle. It needs motivation. But So what do I do? Um, I really look for mental strategies. So I think the first thing I do really well is I plan my exercise in my week. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of my week, we have my Bevan's weekly meeting. Yep. I Present. S- yep. Present. Um, I, have my, I set my objectives for my training. What am I trying to do this week? Then on the day of, like today, I've got to do a 40-minute run. I've got a few intervals I'm going to do within it. Um, I'll write down my objectives for that run. When I'm going to the session, or I'm doing mental prep for it. So I, use, I do a lot of stuff before I even do the training. And not even do the training, mm. even before I get out the door. I think that's really important. Um, but if I do struggle, if it's a hard session, I try to go challenge a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I try to go, where's the challenge and growth? I've been using that third-person technique quite a lot lately. Um, I do do the give yourself permission to start a little bit easier strategy so like let's say I'm doing my hard interval session at the gym um, which is like 10 minutes die mm. so in that session I'll do you know what like I have a number on the on the push-pull machine I've got to hit yeah. I might say the first set you go a little bit easier just to get myself on the on the device uh, what else music mm. music's massive for me uh, that will get me going like the other week I was, I was feeling pretty tired and I had a run to do but I Really want to listen to the Radiohead's Ben's album, which I haven't listened to in years, mm. and that gave me motivation. So that's it. And I don't train with another, other people a lot. Oh, but that's huge for most people. That's massive. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest. Mm. It's just that for me, with my job, I do a lot with other people, and then it's just fitting my life around exercise. Um, I would like to train with other people more because I do mm. like you know back in the day when you and I trained together, we always mm. trained. Didn't we? So yeah, I think that's yeah. But interestingly, I don't really tend to have motivation. To miss sessions, it's not such a mm. problem for me. Okay, this week's discussion. What are your choice of two there, Bevan? You got well, choice of two. I'll go with top one. What are your two to three key workouts you want to do in the final six weeks before your Ironman race? Okay, quiz. Now, have you looked at Peter Colson's one? I unfortunately know the yeah. answer to that, and no one's going to get this one. So I've got two two quiz questions this week. John's weekly quiz. Right, here we go. First question, and I pulled this up because I thought no one's going to get the second one. Who holds the current bike course records? At Hawaii, both male and female. I don't well, know the answer. We're, we're going to discuss at the end of the show. At the end of the show, second question that got sent through from Pete Colson: um, Who is the Ironman St George defending champion? I know that one. Do you because you saw the answer? Yeah. yeah, I scrolled down as well. You shouldn't have given us the answer, Pete. On well, the he, needed, he needed to make the scroll bigger. Yeah. He needed to push return like a thousand times because <laughs> it was kind of just at the bottom. And I was like, oh, saw that. So, so there you so go. Who holds? Have a think about that. We'll come back to the. If you want to send us questions through, by all means, do it because it's kind of cool. So yep, that's that's what we're asking for. Uh, okay, so let's go. Age, Age group of the week. week. Good old Matt, the peaceful tri ninja Tinch, has sent through Nima 
how does it that Java Heri? Java Heri? Java Heri? I am a okay. I am busy shamelessly plugging my good friend Nima's latest achievement of breaking the world record for Everesting reps and hence nominating him for Age Grouper of the Week. Everesting, the act of cycling upwards in the same vertical direction as Everest, most people stop after they did it have low elevation once. If they uh, dared to try, not Nima. Yes. It's not only cycling, but Nemo is almost so done Ironman. So I think he's entitled to an age group per week prompts for this. This is a link that to the stats and reportage around the feet. Um, it'll be blow your mind. So what was the story, Jombo? Uh, so Everesting, for those that don't know, um, it was sort of explained there, you've got to ride up the equivalent of Mount Everest, which is 8,800 and I think it's 46 um, uh, metres elevation. It's bloody hard to do it once. So this fella went out there and... What do you mean do it once? Well, so, you go, so go, you're going up and down a hill yep. until you get to 8,846 yep. metres. To, yep. to do that is a huge achievement. Like that's oh, yeah. you know, it's 12 hours plus of... I wish it was around when I was doing because I would have given a shot. Yeah. You know? but, but this guy's taken it to the next level and he's gone and broken the record. The record stood at 36,000 metres of elevation gain during a ride. And he's gone out there, and I'm not sure of the exact stats, but I think he did about 40,000 metres um, of elevation gain, which is mental. So, so he, basically he's done it the steepest way possible. No, he's just done, no, it's just accumulation. So you're just going up and down the same hill. He did about 50 to 60 times. He did a long hill. It was in the, the French Alps, and it was pretty steep, the one he was choosing to do. There's, it's all sorts of strategy around um, what sort of climb you want. But the one he did it was uh, had quite a few pictures of averaging 11%, which is, you know, it's hard enough when you're fresh, but when you're really tired. Um, what, what, what record did he break? Well, the world record for going how many metres you can basically gain in a, in, in a ride. Okay. So going up and down a hill for basically for as long as So he went can. past Everesting. Uh, Everesting's only 8,800 metres. Okay. Okay. He did 40,000 okay. metres. Okay. Which is, uh, and he did it, uh, my fr- reading of this French article is not uh, amazing, but he did it spread over four days. Uh, he did 847 kilometres. And yeah, that was the equivalent of going up and down Mount Everest four times. So it was pretty impressive. He was raising money um, for a friend who suffered from cancer. So we'll have a link to his fundraising page. It's uh, just uh, justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Everesting XN at the end. And it tells a bit more story of the story about that. But <clears throat> I did watch a bit of the video. Uh, yeah, it was mental. Like you're going through the night consistently. He was doing it, you know, it's the end of winter. You're in the Alps. It looked like it was negative six one night. The dude did not look like he was uh, an amazing athlete. No, no disrespect, because he's gone and gone nuts. But it's not like he was a. He wasn't young for dinner. It wasn't a sixty kg whippet just going up and down the climb. You know, he looked like a you know classic age grouper just battling away day after day after day. Uh, he had a, looked like he had a, had a really good support crew in place. You know, he had people riding with him on occasions, especially when he got tired. Uh, but yeah, bloody impressive just to keep going and going and going. Looked like he was had his knees taped up with the old um, funny tape at the end there, but good on him. World record, and that's a lot of time to going up and down a hill. I tell you what, looks like a really nice guy, a really friendly, smiley guy. I was, I was talking to a friend the other night, we were at a party the other night, and we were just talking about kind of crazy achievements, and we talked about the Ram, you know, right across America. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the fastest is about seven days, but the average speed, they, they ride, how far they ride, about... I don't know, I'm not even going to take a guess, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's 
Several thousand kilometres. Okay, wait a second. And, and they're, they're going at a good clip across there. So there's, ver- there's different versions of the RAM. There's a continuous, there's a self supported, um, there's a supported, there's teams, there's all sorts of things you can do. It is That is something that um, I would be keen to do. Not I don't, I'm not keen on these continuous ones, but to sort of do it a bit broken up would be quite cool. So the right, the right across America is basically 5,000 Ks. Hmm. The average speed for the winner is 28k. That's pretty solid. You know, it's, not a, it's not a flat ride. That's really solid. I, I would have thought it would actually been, would have been higher than that. There's some, been some nut bars that have done that. Well, they made them have to sleep, didn't they? Remember that documentary came out when we first started doing this episode? Remember, remember when we yeah. first started doing the show? That someone one, said, of, one of the guys that was in The old it, guy died. Remember? Yeah. And it was really sad. It was like the loveliest guy you'd ever meet. Yeah. And just a real good person. And like you, they showed his story and it was kind of really good in his local community. He had a great career. He's kind of probably in his late 50s. Mm. By a cardboard bugger. Mm. Um, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, this week's uh, age group of the week is. Uh, where was it? Nima Yarrahiri. So awesome performance. You are our age, age group, group of, of the week. week. I get Jombo. You want to do a quick high five? Uh, I'll do it after our interview, actually. Okay, there we go. Here's the interview. Oh, we've got an interview. We have. We're going to talk to Brenton Ford from Effortless Swimming. Here he is right now. Righto team, as you heard earlier in the show, um, we have got Brenton Ford on with us today from Effortless Swimming. Um, as you also heard earlier on, we were on his show nine years ago that I'd completely forgotten about when I reached out to Brenton. So that was, uh, I might have to go back and listen to that because apparently it was Bevan and I talking about how to do an Ironman swim and uh, <laughs> things might have changed nine years ago. I don't know. We might have changed our strategy. So well, welcome along, along to the show, Brenton. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. It's uh, I can't believe how fast that goes i can't believe we're yeah. doing a podcast nine years ago yeah. yeah how often do you do your your i know you do a lot of media work you know in terms of you know you analyze a lot of clips and so on online um how, how, do you still do a podcast yeah we do um a, a weekly podcast um i haven't been as consistent as as you guys but um I, at the moment you know we try and do a weekly episode and um you know have a range of uh, you know, elite level swimmers and triathletes on and also just every day athletes as well and talk about how they've they've improved their swimming so um yeah i think it's a great great medium for um you know for, for teaching people this sort of stuff so t- tell us a bit about your background um i know you're you're a swimmer as um you know in terms of your athletic career so maybe just talk us through a bit your athletic career and, and how you kind of transitioned into coaching yeah like i started off as a as a competitive swimmer and made a couple of national age group finals as a teenager. And then when I finished school, I, I started coaching uh, just a couple, couple days a week and uh, started coaching a master's swim team here in Australia and had some success with them winning a couple of national championships over the seven years that I coached them. And during that time I did a season of triathlon as well. So I did, I did one Olympic, one half, one full distance Ironman. I did, did Taupo. Uh, nice. in 2016 I think it was and uh, yeah and so one hit wonder with my Ironman career but um, yeah just I, I really enjoyed the process and I wanted to go through that as a coach just to see how does the body react when you're doing all the biking all the running as well and that really helped me when it came to working with and coaching triathletes on the swim because I found my swim changed a bit now I was certainly a lot tighter through the shoulders and um, and through the back when I was doing all that running and riding um, yeah, and, and then I and I've been coaching basically for the last fourteen years, and primarily I'll, I'll I do these half day clinics where we film and analyze people and help them with their technique. So I've worked with probably 
uh, probably 5,000 people in person uh, with that. And then uh, a lot more, not a lot more, but quite a few online as well. So um, I've seen, seen it all in terms of technique and strokes. And um, that's mostly what we specialize in now is, is freestyle technique for triathletes. Um, and in terms of this, I'm just always curious about Australia. Um, you know, when you were probably a kid, uh, the standard was probably very, very high um, because Australia was just dominating, you know, uh, for, for a long period in swimming. Um, is it still the same? Like there's, there's so many bloody swimming pools in Australia and, and everybody in Australia seems to swim well. Does that still sort of hold true or is, uh, uh, you know, the youth of the, these days sort of getting distracted with other things? It's I mean, from what I've seen across the board, all sports are uh, f- finding it harder to get um, get numbers for the for the younger kids because there's just so many other options and there there are those distractions as well. But I think like generally, you know, kids in Australia they learn to they nearly all do learn to swim lessons, and so that's that's it makes such a difference because every time I get someone from the anywhere in the UK, they say oh, I, you know, I grew up in England, grew up in Ireland, so I never learned to swim. And whereas here, obviously, it's a quite a different story. Uh, what's it like in New Zealand? Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty similar. Most, uh, yeah, I, I guess it depends what neighbourhood you grow up in. But most kids will go to swimming lessons, and they'll have some. We don't really have the, the swimming pools and schools like we used to. They've all pretty much been shut down. But yeah, mm. I, I think it's we're we're certainly not Australia, but we're certainly a long way in front of uh, the likes of the UK, where there's a lot of people who straight up can't swim. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even at a competitive level, you've got some, some good swimmers coming through even from such a, such a small country. So uh, I think it you know, looks like it's on a, on a good pathway there. Yeah. What, what, what do you think are the keys to getting kids into, into swimming? Uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's great. And I, I mean, my kids are three and five and so we've got them in swim lessons and they're out for a while with, with lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think it's, it's such a great thing to teach them early on because if they're if they're learning to swim all the way up until they're even like ten years of age, I think that just gives you such a an upper hand. If you, even if you were to stay out of the pool for the next ten years and then start back again at twenty, mm-hmm. I think that's such an important skill. Especially here, there's so many beaches around, yeah. and it's um, I think that's a big driver for it. So look, um, I know, as I said earlier, you do a lot of um, analysis and you sort of talk through a lot of those swim clinics. You kind of, you've got that perspective of being a swimmer and you know, I imagine you're maybe taught in a, a sort of a traditional manner with, with your swimming, but you've got an appreciation now of, of teaching triathletes and non-swimmers um, how, to, how to sort of get through triathlons. So you, you send over a few bullet points to me that we'll sort of go through in terms of some advice that you kind of think often gets um, misinterpreted. You know, So if people are trying to look at their stroke and then they might go and look at a Michael Phelps or an Ian Thorpe and they try to mimic that, there's a few things they maybe want to you know, take on board because there's so many different ways to swim. Um, so maybe just sort of talk, start talking through these. Firstly, you had sort of the high elbow recovery maybe sort of talk through that and and what you mean by a classic version of the high elbow recovery and and why that might not necessarily be the best for everybody yeah so i and this is something that i taught in my early days of coaching coming from the swimming background and not really having much experience working with with a lot of adults especially is we taught this high elbow recovery and i think sometimes it gets interpreted as bring your elbow high over the top of the water and keep your hand very close to the body but most of the adults I've worked with don't have that range through the shoulders to be able to do that comfortably. And so I've seen a lot of 
shoulder injuries or shoulder pain come from trying to recover that way over the water because they just get jammed up over the top. And if you're swimming in a wetsuit or open water, you just your hand's going to hit the water if there's any sort of chop. So what the way I interpret a high elbow recovery now is your elbow should be pointing up to the sky for the most part as your arm comes comes over um, rather than pointing behind you because that way you can bring the arm over a little bit easier over the top of the water. But that it's okay for that hand to come around a bit wider and it's so much easier and so much more comfortable and it, it's just... Um, yeah, it takes the pressure off the shoulders. So that's a really, a really key one. And I find there's a lot of things like that, like a high elbow recovery, that people hear the term, maybe misinterpret it, and then they will be doing something in their stroke that's actually going to make them slower or uh, make them feel a little bit disconnected throughout. And that's that's a real key one. So are you sort of saying it's partly, you know, uh, injury reduction method, you know, because they've got, they've, they lack that mobility. Um and, and in terms of how, when you say it maybe slows them down, what do you sort of mean by that in terms of if someone is trying to go for it and, and you're thinking it's slowing them down? Yeah, when when they're trying to come too close to the body with the hand, they get they can't bring the arm over as quickly. So it will slow their stroke rate down. So if they let the hand go a little bit wider, it's easier to bring the hand over the top a bit quicker. So if you're looking to hold a you know, 60 or 70 stroke rate in your triathlon swim, then uh, usually the easier way is to come around that little bit, um, that little bit wider. So that's where I see it actually slowing them down. A random question for you in Australia. Do you guys swim uh, in different directions in, in each, <laughs> each lane? So like one lane's going up the left, coming down the right, and the next lane's going up the right and coming down the left? Or do you guys just, every lane is swimming in the same direction? I think it's, do they, do they base how you should swim in a pool off how the uh, the direction that the toilet flushes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're, we're down the down on the left hand side, like you guys are from. Yeah, you guys are down the left too, aren't you? Well, there's one pool. Yeah, we're down on the left, back on the right. There's one pool in particular in Christchurch called uh, Aqua Gym, and there's a guy there who used to be a New Zealand Olympic coach, and that and there. It's, you know, swim one, one goes down the left back on the right and the other one goes up the right and back on the left. And the reason I say that is it really helps to prevent that uh, slapping of the hands of the, the person in the lane next <laughs> yeah. to you. So uh, I guess that's one indication of, um, yeah, whether, you, whether or not you've got a high elbow sometimes is if you're, if you're whacking the crap out of the person in the lane next to you. Even the poor boy. Yeah, true. Yeah. And, and sometimes that necessity too, isn't it? You need to yeah, bring the hand closer to the body so you don't uh, try to avoid hitting people if you're in small lanes. Yeah, you know about it too, don't you? Hey, so what's some yeah. easy things to remember or some easy cues to remember for when you're actually swimming so that you can actually kind of master those fundamentals of swimming? Yeah, uh, so a couple of things. I, I'd normally start with uh, breathing. We want to get that under control first. And one of the main things there is we want to exhale primarily through the nose. So inhale through the mouth, exhale through the nose. It's okay if you do exhale a bit through the mouth, but I find you can just keep the heart rate and the breathing a little bit more comfortable, a little bit steadier with that sort of exhalation. And then just making sure that we time the breath correctly. So I see a lot of swimmers breathing too late. And when they breathe too late, they're basically still on their side when one of their arms is going through the catch. And so just nothing's connected there. And so it's very hard. You you could have a great catch, but if you're on your side too much, it's not going to connect up with your hips and your body roll. So if you can time your breath right, uh, that's a big one. And the cue that I like to use there is uh, pull, you, pull yourself into, the, into your breath 
So let's say you breathe into your left-hand side. You're, you've sort of gone through the catch with your left arm and you're about to pull underneath your shoulder. At that point, you want to start to turn the head to the side. So you kind of turn it with that pull uh, as it goes towards the hip. And that's a pretty good cue and, and one that I've seen work quite well with, with a lot of triathletes um, to help just get the timing right. So if you've got the breathing right, you've got the breath timing right, then you can start to move on to some of the the other things. And I think it's good to sort of start with a good, uh, like a good, a good body line and making sure you've got that little bit of tautness through the body. So rather than being like a, a snake zigzagging through the water, we, we hold this, this tautness and firmness through the body because then you're going to cut through the water much better, but you're also going to be able to connect up your body with that, with your catch and your pull. And so one of the things I would aim for there is you want to think tall and proud. So you sort of you know, long, long through the spine, long through the neck and uh, almost need to brace your core and engage your hips a little bit. Like the way I would explain that is imagine someone was just going to hit you lightly in, your, in the stomach. You'd brace your core just lightly and then you kind of need to squeeze your butt cheeks together a little bit. So with that sort of little bit of engagement there, then you, you keep that tautness and uh, that, that's kind of what we need to uh, hold a good body line and, and good position in the water. And then you can move on to uh, the recovery and the rotation and, and catch and pull. And um, just with the catch and pull, you know, one of the things that I've found that's helped a lot of people is they try and when people are trying to go faster, especially those without a swimming background, they try and muscle the catch. So for those that are listening, if you're not sure what the catch is, it's the, the first part of the, your arm movement out the, out the front basically. And uh, the, the thing with that position is it's not a very strong position. So it's, it's an overhead position. So first of all, you're not very strong there compared to when your hand's moving under the shoulder and in that movement, if you're, if you're going for broke, if you're trying to pull really, or you're trying to pull really hard in the water at the front of the stroke, you're only really going to be pressing down with your hand and forearm. So I, I would explain the catch as the setup phase of the stroke. And then once the hand is just about to pass under the shoulder, that's more the power phase. So um, while you don't want to be completely loose and limp through the catch, you don't want to overpower it either because you're not going to get that much benefit to it. So yeah, catches the setup phase is, is quite a helpful one. And, and the other thing that ties in well there is through the catch, you should be moving like your movements in swimming are slow to fast. So out the front, when you enter the water, you reach forwards and you're starting a catch. You'll typically move through that part of the stroke a bit slower than you would through the, the rest as you accelerate through it. So it's not like you're riding a bike and it's just a constant speed with the pedals turning over. It's a little bit slower out the front, a bit quicker out the back. And then you get that sort of timing where you feel like you're just skating through the water and, and things are timed together rather than like you're on this treadmill that's really hard to get off and your heart rate's up really high. So just if we just rewind it there a little bit, because we, we often talk about the catch and it's probably the, the trickiest part of the stroke for, for non-swimmers to, to actually get. You know, people can kind of conceptualize through the, the middle part of your stroke and so on. Have you got any tips or drills or, or any uh, advice for people who are trying to work on their catch, um, whether it be dry land or, or in the water, how they can actually try to, try to work on that to avoid that, that pressing down on the water? Yeah, one that's a little bit left field that, I've, that I was quite surprised with. So we would, uh, I've got this sort of five-day catch um, course that I've, um, that I've sort of been putting people through for the last six or 12 months. And um, the very first thing that we covered there is the entry. And the, probably the, the biggest feedback I got was the first day was the most helpful. And with the entry, if you enter, if you enter over the top of the water and you land with your elbow first, and your hand last, so you're kind of going in flat with the whole arm. 
it's very hard to get a good catch and feel for the water that way because you've usually got all these air bubbles on your hand as you're going through that first part of the catch. So if you enter with your fingers first and your elbow is just up a little bit, then you've got a little bit of room to reach and extend forwards under the surface of the water before you start moving the hand backwards. And yeah, I was surprised when people got that right, that entry right, that made a big difference with how they felt and just their how comfortable they were through it. And then subsequently they could improve their catch from there. So I'd even just start with getting the right entry. And, and the drill that we would do there is just with a kickboard, holding a kickboard out in front, um, do a one-arm freestyle drill and just make sure you're entering before that kickboard. And that's going to force you to enter fingers first because if you are overreaching, you'll hit the kickboard and you, you won't be able to enter properly. So I'd even just, just start there. And uh, then in terms of yeah, developing the catch, I think some therabands, some dry land exercises can be really good because that way you can see what you're doing and you can and you, you can train that that movement because it's a very it's a very weird movement there's probably nothing on a daily basis where you're actually moving your arm in that sort of position so it's uh it's it's a strange one for people to learn and uh, if you can learn it dry land it's much easier in the water mm, I, I definitely agree i've been doing a little bit of swim cords lately um and really found that's transferred across the pool just doing the dry land stuff get the movement pattern working a bit better uh and then when you're in the pool it just it does come a little bit naturally because it is it's a it's a really weird movement to get that sort of early vertical forearms so i would encourage people as well to do a bit of dry land stuff um the other area i, I just wanted to give you a bit of a plug on is, is yeah when you talked about the breathing just before and getting that timing right um i think that's an area that people really struggle with and i actually what prompted me to get in touch with you was I had a guy um, that I was coaching who's I could see he was clearly getting the breathing wrong and he was really starting his pull uh, he was still breathing and he was sort of sinking in the water because he had started his pull and, his, and he was really having to lift his head out of the water quite a lot uh, so mm. I think those those breathing tips you give are, are really awesome and, and even when I think when I was swimming a lot when I was racing and I was always kind of halfway you know, like my breathing, I was kind of, I was never really completely under the water when I was breathing. I was kind of doing it kind of as I'm coming up and going, trying to do two things at once. And obviously it wasn't very efficient. Mm. Um, one, one thing that you do quite a lot of is, is video analysis. Um, of, of, I saw you having a look at Jan Fredino um, when he was swimming in the Collins Cup. And I saw you the other day looking at some uh, world record dude who was, who was swimming in a, in a flume. So guys, if you want to go check out some of Brenton's stuff, uh, have a look at his um, Facebook page and YouTube channel and so on. When, if someone does their own sort of video analysis, obviously they can come to a coach like yourself. Um, but if someone's just getting, you know, their partner or whatever to film them um, on pool deck, what are, what are some of the key things that they really want to be looking for and, and commonalities that you see when, uh, when you're doing it from a, from a coaching point of view? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to look at in the, in the stroke. Um, and I've sort of in that it was a Florian Roll, Rollbrook uh, is the swimmer there. I sort of covered most of the, the key points that, that we'd look for there. So that if you're not sure what to look for, that'll give you a good understanding of, of some of those key points, but like body position, head position are normally the first two that we'll look at. And we're trying to get the head hips and heels at the surface and that horizontal body line. Um, and, and some people think that that's like the, the body position. It's, it's just a, a consequence of where your head is, but the head position is, is one factor. There's a lot of other factors that will play into, are you horizontal or not? Uh, but with head position, I mean, I, I teach looking straight down to about 45 degrees and I find most of the, the good swimmers I work with are actually looking slightly forwards. So not 
not forwards, forwards, but yeah, about about 45 degrees or slightly less. Um, so you don't need to look completely down. Um, one of the other things we'll look at is the is the kick, just to just to make sure that the kick's not slowing them down. So if I'm working with just a, a an average sort of swimmer or, or triathlete you know, in the water, we're not looking to get lots of propulsion from the kick, but we just want to make sure it's effective and it's not slowing them down. So I'll want to see the kick like it's they're sort of kicking in a bucket. So not like a, a, a really small bucket like you'd have in the garden at home, but probably twice that size. So keep the feet roughly in that sort of uh, bucket. We want the heels breaking the surface. We want the toes roughly pointed behind you as best as you can, depending on what your, your ankles can, can handle with their, their flexibility. And then we'll also have a look at the, uh, the catch and the, and the pull and we'll look for what they're doing with their catch. Are they getting that high elbow position or are they, they close to it? And um, are they reaching forwards out in front of the stroke and finishing past the hip? So um, they're like they're sort of the the key couple of things. And we also look at the alignment. So if you're filming from in front or from above the water, we'll have a look at where are they entering the water and extending forwards to. And what we're aiming for is to enter in line with your shoulder or ear and extend straight forwards as, as you're reaching. Uh, because a crossover, as you guys know, like a crossover in the stroke is very, very common when someone enters the water and their hand crosses the center line. And that can create a whole host of other uh, areas or faults in, this, in the stroke. So we try and what I'd call swim on train tracks with, with that to straighten things out. And in terms of angles, if, if you are filming, film from the, I like to film underwater from the side and from the front and then the same angles from above if you can get them and it doesn't need to be really complicated like i find if people just see what they're doing when they swim they, they just go oh my god i didn't think i was doing that mm. and then they're just like okay uh, i i can see some things that are pretty clear that i can can work on there so even just a little bit of footage even if it's above the water with a phone mm. it's just it's eye-opening for most people yeah just so as, as i often just say last 10 strokes into the wall you can you can see enough there it's not perfect but as you said that crossing over is, um, I wouldn't say everybody does it, but it's uh, it's a very <laughs> high proportion of people that cross over. Yeah, huge amount. I'd, I'd say one in one in two, uh, although it seems to be getting less that come to clinics because a lot of the times people who come to the clinics we do here, they've seen a lot of the videos that I do and they're, they're well yeah. aware to avoid crossing over. So it's, it seems to be getting less, which, which I guess is a good thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and we've mainly talked technique. I did want to just ask you whether you've got a couple of go-to sort of main sets that you like to give uh, triathletes that, you know, perhaps when they're in that final 12-week build-up towards a half Ironman or an Ironman, um, have you got any sort of go-to sets that you like to put athletes through, either that they like themselves or that you like to give them to, to sort of get them in a good place? Yeah, I, I love sets that that build through throughout the set where – you start out moderate and you're just gradually sort of building the the speed and intensity throughout it because I find it gives athletes a lot of confidence, especially when it comes into a race. So, I mean, you've got the, uh, you've got like the, the 10, 400 set where you can, you can do four at court, say 60%, three at 70, two at 80% and the last one around 90%. Uh, but I, yeah, for most, most, that's a pretty solid set for most people. So I'd even just go with like a 10, 200s where you might be getting, uh, 20 to 30 seconds rest after each one. And you do four of those at 60%, three at 70, two at 80, one at 90. And if you can do that set well and actually sort of hit those times and see that progression with your with your speed and your times throughout the set, uh, it means that your pacing is probably going to be right on, right on point. 
And it, yeah, one of the things that's it's very common is people just going out too hard and, and blowing up. But when you develop your that ability to change pace and, and and maintain it, then I think it helps when it comes to racing. So most of the sets that I'll uh, give swimmers will have that sort of variable pace in there and uh, something like either 10 200s or 10 400s depending on where people at is um is really good and one i also uh also like is uh it's it, it's 10 150s and so i don't know if you remember there's some of daniel kowalski he oh, yeah, was yeah. uh yeah so, yeah so uh he was a, a olympic swimmer uh for australia probably two decades ago now um he would train near next to the squad that i was coaching in melbourne here back probably eight years ago and he'd do this 10 150 set that um that was that i really liked it wasn't super hard but it was basically just 10 one 10 150s descending one to three so one's comfortable two's a bit faster and three you're going for it and he'd repeat that and then number 10 would be just recovery and that would be on basically about 15 seconds rest uh, roughly mm. and um i mean simple set but I, I joined in with him a couple of times and it was just a really sort of good set. It was over fairly quick and um, yeah, you sort of got to, got to change the pace enough and it was still a decent workout, even though it was only 1500 meters. Mm, nice. Very good. Oh, tell, tell us a little bit about some of the stuff if people like what they've heard today in terms of um, what you do, you know, obviously if you're, you're Aussie based, you can go along to one of your clinics, um, but yeah, you've got a lot of content up there, which I think, you know, there's some really good stuff. So just, just give us a quick overview of um, people want to find out more where they should go and, um, and what you sort of got up online. Yeah. Thanks very much. Well, that, our website's effortlesswimming.com and there you'll be able to see all the, the videos that we've talked about. Um, the podcast is there as well. And if you are in Australia, you can see what our, our clinic dates and locations are. Um, otherwise, just our, our YouTube or Instagram uh, is where we post all of those, those videos, usually weekly. And so if you're looking for ways to improve your swimming, just check out those, those videos and you'll probably pick up quite a bit. And um, yeah, and uh, I've had a lot of people email me saying they've watched the videos for six months or 12 months. And over that time, they've been able to improve their yeah, swimming, which is which is great, you know, just the fact that people can just see something, you know, on on YouTube, make a change, and then just begin to improve is is pretty cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find us. Awesome. And you got any travels planned now that the borders are opening? Because I know that John Hancock, the old mountain snail, I think he did a camp with <laughs> yeah. you, maybe in uh, maybe in Thailand. I think he did a camp with you. So you got any travels planned for this year? Yeah, we've we were running Thailand, Hawaii, and Noosa camps uh, before everything shut down so I've, I've got something in mind but i haven't booked it haven't locked it in yet so i'm, I'm going to keep it under wraps but that yeah looking yeah. to have an, an overseas trip um but i don't want to get i don't, don't want to go get ahead because uh oh, i know who knows, right yeah, what about no. you guys is there yeah no I'm, I'm off to kona so in a few few months oh, nice. time, so but it's uh, still tricky times for us kiwis and aussies where, where do you go when you go to kona i mean uh, I'm, yeah uh we were doing them in honolulu so there was uh, yeah, just a pool sort of not too far out of the city. And, and we do the Waikiki rough water swim on the last day of the camp, which is how far is maybe like three and a bit K. Uh, yeah. There's like a, a, a well-known swim there that we'd sort of do the course on the last day. And it's just spectacular swimming. Like it's just, we got some great days there. So yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful spot. And um, yeah, I'm looking at it just a different tropical sort of location for the, the next camp just to mix things, things up a bit. So um, yeah, I think it's just time for a bit of a, a revamp and refresh now that um, things are open again and you know, get some new ideas, I think, after two years of not doing a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, 
and one other random question the, the rough water swim there in Waikiki because that is basically where the Hawaii Iron Man started the original the original there for those that don't know um, the Hawaii Iron Man started in Honolulu and you do the the, the Waikiki rough water swim you'd bike I think a lap of the island and then do the Honolulu marathon um, where does huh. the swim at, where yeah, does no, the swim no. actually go like is it just a sort of point to point swim uh, it is yeah it's point to point uh, it comes. I can't, it, it, it starts just past the natatorium. So there's like an old pool there that um, is not in, not in commission anymore, but you sort of start just past that. You go out a couple hundred meters uh, through the break in the reef there. Then you swim across and it comes in sort of near the, uh, near the, oh, like some of those big hotels there. Yeah. So um, yeah, just like right, right in the middle of it all there. Cool. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks so much for your time. As I said, you know, I've looked at a number of your resources and used them um, for athletes myself. So you're doing a great job and uh, keep it up and hopefully paths will cross when we're at an event somewhere or we'll get you back on to talk about some other stuff. So thanks for your time, Brenton. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for having me on guys. And uh, yeah, another nine years time. I'm sure we'll catch <laughs> up soon. So <laughs> thanks for having me on guys. Brilliant. Now we're recording this before we actually do the interview, but uh, if you want to check it out, go to effortless swimming and, uh, dot com and he'll be able to and he's got he's really active in terms of social media and doing um video clips and so on and analyzing them so lots of good content so check it out okay so one two three four Four. high High five five. you went a bit high high pitched (laughs) high five (laughs) (laughs) i was away racing at the weekend bevan oh when did uh race in taranaki which has a hamstring hold up hamstring was good but uh, i'll go into that in a moment there so taranaki is if you're looking at new zealand and on the left-hand side of the North Island, you kind of got a little bulgy out bit. That's where Taranaki is. It's got an amazing mountain that I rode around on Saturday. It was pretty cool. Uh, but it was a beach start in this particular race. It was a sprint distance race. And I saw some woeful entries into the, uh, the, into the course, including myself. Uh, so I thought I'd go through a few tips for beach starts, um, irrespective of the distance you're doing. Because you know, even if you're doing Ironman, you still need to get this technique right and just give yourself a good start to the day. So okay. five tips on beach starts. Number one, when you're running into the water, make sure you get your knees and your feet nice and wide. So you're basically hurtling the water. Okay, number two. Uh, I guess just sorry, carry on for number one. A lot of what I see a lot of athletes is they just run into the water and they start just sort of jumping, jumping the water and they just do a little bit like that, but they don't get those knees wide. If you can take your knees wide, then you're going to be able to go a lot further than if you just sort of run in regulation. Okay. Number two, duck diving to the bottom. So I'll go through a couple of duck diving things, but firstly, dive into the water. Go down to the bottom, you grab the sand with your hands, you step through and then you push off um, the other side. So you're not just sort of planing through the water when you're diving. You dive down to the bottom, grab the sand, step through, push off. Got to practice it. Try to watch some footage of Surf Lifesavers in Australia or something like that if you want some YouTube coverage. How early do you do that? Until you can't do it any further. Yeah, so you just keep duck diving. So that's going to depend on the, the depth of the water. So for example, at the weekend... The tide was going out where we were at and it stayed shallow for quite a while. So you got quite a few duck dives. I'm going to say maybe five or so duck dives before you actually started swimming. Um, point number three, carry on the duck diving theme. Oh, duck dive time. Duck dive time <laughs> is make sure you streamline your duck dives. A lot of age groupers, they will try to duck dive and they'll kind of go chest first or face first. Face plant? Face plant. I did a face plant. It was not <laughs> pleasant on Saturday or Sunday. So make sure you streamline your dives. Your head needs to be down. Your hand, hands need to be together. So think 
if you ever have any swim coaching at the pool and you get told how to push off the wall in a really streamlined position with your head tucked underneath your um, arms and your hands together, you want to make sure you're doing that and you're diving straight down to the bottom in a streamlined position. Okay, you dive before the waves, number four. It is. We didn't have any waves the weekend. If you do, don't try to dive over the waves, dive before the waves, and again use that technique where you dive down the bottom, grab the sand, step through, and then propel yourself out the other side. So you're sort of uh, trying to negate that pushing of the waves against you into shore. Number five, we've got another duck dive. Back to the duck dives. <laughs> it's when you're exiting the water, so we're talking about entry before, it's a lot quicker to duck dive through the water than into shallow water than it is to try to sort of start wading. So often you see people, you know, standing up and they might do one duck dive. Gail Harvey Haywood, we must be up to about number five nil now. Hear it, John. Again, if you're talking, I can yawn. <laughs> and so when you're approaching the shore, you want to figure out when you can start duck diving, and you want to keep duck diving until you're probably in about, I don't know. 30, 40 centimetres of water. Um, really? Even that low? Way quicker. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe, <laughs> fi- maybe 50. <laughs> no, but you keep going until... Because when you're running, when you try to run out of the water, it's really hard when you're tired. Yep. Your heart rate can go through the roof. You're much better off duck diving Jeez. as far in as you possibly can and then stand up and run. Okay, last one. Last one. There's always got to be a number six. Practices and training because it's quite high-intensity work. But even if you're doing an Ironman, just using those techniques is going to help you um, just get off to a good start. If you're doing a short course stuff, you want to practice this with quite a bit of vigour and you want to make sure you practice it on race morning so you know how many times you can dive into the water. So to give you a bad example was me at the weekend. Yeah, what happened? Because of my hammy, here's what happened at the weekend. Oh, gammy hammy. Is... It's supposed to be a seven. Well, it is a seven hundred and fifty meter swim. It's a sprint distance. Something. Yeah, that's okay. I'm going to take it nice and. Gentle. So wait, was it water start or? It was a beach start. So I had oh, a, I had my things so in place. You could do the old just creep forward trick. No, <laughs> um, you, you couldn't can't run forward when the, when no, the beach start. Can but you can still go on two. If you're a race director, <laughs> never ever do a five, four, three, two, one countdown. Just, just just do the do the do the because people like you. Yeah, you fifteen seconds to go. You give them that call. Yeah, and then you don't. So at the weekend, <laughs> so you're standing there and the person starting the race, they're going to be starting with a whistle. And you can see him putting his whistle up to his mouth, ready to blow it, and I'm like, <laughs> you, you, just, you might as well. You're giving it to me. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> you pra- make sure you practice doing all the stuff in training and on race morning so you know the depth of the water. However, I did practice this. I had to be really careful with my hamstring. But then what they did, they changed the swim course to being a two-lapper swim. So you had to come out of the water and go back in halfway because the wind was so insane they couldn't get the swim boys to um, anchor. And so we had to do a two-lap swim, which meant I had to risk my poor little hamstring twice in this race. Coming out of the water the first lap, you had to come around, go out of the water, go around a boy that was just on the beach and then run back in. I'm thinking, I've got my, I've, I actually did this preparation before I did this on Saturday. I was uh, just doing some show notes then. Yep. I thought, righty-ho, I'm going to nail these duck dives. I'm not going to run too far in. I'm going to look after my hammy. I'm going to start duck diving probably a little bit earlier than what I would normally. Start running in the water. Water's coming up to about knee depth. I'm thinking... Duck dive time. It's duck dive time. <laughs> I'm just going to... I'm going to sort of hover through the water a bit on this. So I'm not going to go deep. Just as I did my first dive, I could feel... Whoops, I've just hit a sandbar and just went flat on my face. <laughs> It would have the water seriously would have been like 20, 30 centimeters deep. It just went straight on. Uh, that wasn't pretty, but I 
I don't think I couldn't hear anybody laughing from shore anyway, but I'm sure they were. So anyway, make sure you practice running in and out of the water a few times if you can. Okay, John, let's go winger of the week. Now, this one's a really good one because I don't know if this is true or not, but good old LB Furley, 100? Uh, yeah, random.org gave me um, person number 100 today. But I don't know if this is true or not, But and this person's one of the ones who's on every group ever, but... He's a, he's a triathlete, so he's... But, but look at his run times. Yeah, no, that's not correct. That can't I, be correct, can it? No. Because it's saying he'll do a 203 marathon? Yes. A 58k... 58 minute half marathon, mm-hmm. a 2016, mm-hmm. a 12.39.5. This guy's a star. He is. He's an Olympian. Uh, so, Albie Furley, he was ranked number 100 on our Strava leaderboard. If you're on Strava and you're not part of our group, join on up and get your training up. You generally, if you're, if you're over sort of 11 to 12 hours, you've got a chance of being in the top 100. And Albie did 10 activities last week. He did an hour and 39 swimming, uh, 6 hours 34 on the bike, and 4 hours and 17 of running. So nice balanced week. And it's pretty consistent. Does a, bit of, does a bit of Zwifting, does a bit of riding. He lives up on the Gold Coast in Queensland. And yeah, nice steady week. Um, I'm just logging back in because I've uh, managed to log myself out. Um, bear with Bevan. I'm just trying to see if, if his running is stellar because why would it give me even those predictive times? Uh, you just, if you wear your bloody bike computer, uh. you, 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 know, it just, you, you run with your, or you ride with your, on the wrong mode once and I think it must screw it up because yeah, it's woefully inaccurate because um, Albie looked like he's, yeah, he's a nice steady run. I saw he did a 15k run there. He was averaging 444 per k, per k so you know, that's a nice steady run. Did a longest bike ride, did 250 kilometres um, uh, and his, he's pretty similar to me. He's last four weeks averaging five rides per week, averaging uh, three runs uh, around about 50k mark and then he's averaging two swims per week, averaging um, one hour and 11 minutes or about sort of four and a bit case. So nice running technique. Yeah. No wonder he can do a two or three. There you go. You know, the side on photo, he's got a you know, nice, nice lift, yeah. nice pull through, good kick. Yeah, so my predicted marathon times are 4.05. Your predicted is 4.05? Yeah. How's that work out? I don't know. Uh, predicted for a half is 1.18.04, which is probably about right. About right. Run 34.54. Maybe a little bit of a stretch at the moment. 5K, 12.42. Don't think that's happening. So yeah, they've got a little, Strava's got a little bit of work to, to fine tune that or you should be able to. Well, but maybe this guy's a stellar runner and is back in his day. Yeah. No, but two or three. Come on. That's world record level. Yeah. Okay. Um, Albie uh, Furley, you are our winner of the week. week. Okay, John's quiz question. Okay, you haven't looked yet? What was the question? Uh, who has the records for Kona for the bike Leg, male and female. Daniela, I'm going to say Daniela for the female. Yeah, I'm thinking that. that. Yeah, she smashed it, remember? Mm-hmm. And bike, is it? I think I know the bike. Is it, um, uh, not Butterfield, um, that guy. That guy, ah. Oh. Tyler, the, the American guy. No. No. I reckon it's Cam Worth. That okay. would be my guess. Okay, let's have a look. Uh, Starkowitz. Starkowitz has got the bike record. No, no, I'm saying has he? Oh, has he? I wouldn't have thought so. Okay, let's have a look. Uh, fastest times overall. Yeah, I got it. Cameron Worth from Australia in 2018 did 4.09.06. Which was third. It's third, yeah. Uh, same year, that was the fast year. Basically, two, four, five, five, six. Six of the top 10 times are all from 2018. 
Uh, Matt Russell was 412 for seventh place, but you Cameron Worth with the 40906, and yeah, 2018 was just a stellar year. Daniela Reef. Uh, well, who's the more impressive? Because yeah. okay, so the boys, everyone beats. You know, five guys get the record in that year, but they're kind of five minutes apart. Daniela Reef beats the record that year, and she still beats you know the rest of the field because again, the top six are in that year. She's still second place. This is Charles Barkley, 12, twelve minutes behind. Minutes. That is mental. Did Daniela get like t- closer to the top ten that year? No. Where did she get overall that year? Don't know. Okay, Kona PTO. PTO. Uh, yep. Stats dot stats dot PTO. Stats. Okay, is it stats? Okay, here's your, this. That's your follow up question. Uh, while Bevan finds the result, um, yeah, I'm saying she definitely didn't get top ten. Uh, then the follow up question was, who won St George? Uh, when they last had an Ironman, and you've got to be a real triathlon anorak if you got this, because it was way back in 2012. It only had three editions because it was uh, so hard. And on the female side, you had Meredith Kessler take it out. She swam 52, biked a 557, and ran a 318. That's gold uh, for a 10-12. And you've got to think Meredith Kessler at her prime in that sort of era, you know, she would have been an easily an hour quicker than that. And on the boys' side, you had uh, Ben Hoffman take it out in a 9.07. And again, you know, he's a, an eight-hour sort of guy, so you th- you're looking at least an hour slower. So it's good to see that's coming back this year. I doubt it will be that slow, but let's uh, let's wait and see. The two massive victories, uh, Meredith Kessler won by 25 minutes, and Ben Hoffman won by 18 minutes. Well, what I find impressive, she didn't get top 10. She got 20, top 20. Right. I wonder if it's the best female no. in modern times. Ah, oh, okay. You know, early days, it's a bit mm. different. But, in, you know, let's, we, we would say modern times, 90s forward? Um, I'd say more 2000s forward. Okay, so 2000s forward, is it the best female? It'll be a toss-up between her and Chrissy. Yeah, I wonder if Chrissy got a new best race. Okay, uh, John Swimset. Oh, what did we do this morning? We did a... F- There's only three people on the pool. We Come on, it team. Great. Well, okay. Oh, yeah, it was, it was in terms of no public. Wait uh, a second. So a, a good turnout. How many people went to be there for your crew? Oh, our crew. Oh, probably eight or so. Eight okay. or nine. Okay. Uh, so what did we do? Where are you throwing it? Pioneer? Yep, Pioneer. Okay. Yep. Uh, we did a 400, 400 warm-up, two 100 IMs, and then the main set was going 100, 200, 300, 400 building the pace, so getting progressively quicker, having uh, a little bit more rest after each one, and then going down again, so going 400, 300, 200, 100, again building the pace. So there's a 5 nil, 5 nil. Uh, so it was 100 at start. <laughs> they don't know I'm yawning. Apparently, I yawn when I'm talking. When, when I yawn, apparently it's, it really comes across. Uh, so anyway, yeah, 100 to 400 building pace, and then 400 down to 100 building pace so that second 400 was a, a steady one uh, then we did 100 easy and finished with 650 sprints and then 200 warm down it's three point something k I'm sure somebody's going to comment on my Strava at some stage because I had the old watch set to 50 meters and uh, pull instead of 25 so the first 800 that I did or first 400 that I did probably set a new world record <laughs> wow you're yeah. below, below the guy the running I think I did I think I did it was like 644 for the first 800 or something like for the first 400 that was actually 800 on my watch because I swam at a 50 metre pool at the weekend oh, good so there we go that was this morning's swim okay let's say a big thank you to our patron actually I think I have got a, a, an, an email wait a second you talk about something okay. for a second you, uh, you say thank you to the patron Jennifer Triple Jump Edwards John Tipping Point Ennis and Brian the Funny Guy Fallon. 
Save it till next week, Bevan. No, no, it was it was it was the, it was just the qu- the question from Peter. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. It's all very obvious. Click on support the show. Go through the process. You donate some money. You support us and what we do. You get a gift, and it's really good. Uh, also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, down the bottom of the front page of the same website. For coaching, go to coachjohnston.com. For my podcast, go to Bevan James Isles. My book is going to be coming out in about 10 weeks from now, so I definitely want you guys to promote my book when it comes out. Again, it's not necessarily for you, but it is for people who in your world who aren't exercising, and I think it's going to have a big impact. Uh, other content, age group of week, cool websites, and other feedback. I am talkpodcast at gmail.com. John, your boss. So away for four days with the young fellas uh, up at National Champs. We're staying where we're staying. Uh, we're just staying at a campground in a, in a sort of a motel unit. Did it was you very share? Nice. Yeah, we shared. It was great. It's on the waterfront. It's awesome. Uh, however, what wasn't awesome was four days of wind in Taranaki. Uh, Holy shit balls. It was balls. windy. Wow. Full on wind every day. Like I'm talking full on Kona winds every day. Flights were getting cancelled left, right and centre. Uh, so it was it was great. The race went ahead, but the swim boys were getting blown around. So they had to change the swim course. Um, but it's, yeah, it was good challenging conditions. Hamstring held up, which was great. And How'd you go? Well, when I was standing on the start line, I was going, I'm, four, I'm 45 now, turning 46 this year. Are, are you 45? You're older than me, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Just found that out, did you? <laughs> I probably didn't know. Uh, standing on the start line going, there's one young guy here, and then I reckon I'm probably the next youngest. Oh, really? So it was not a stellar field. It was our national sprint champs, but really, there wasn't a lot of big kahunas there to uh, contend with. So I... I, I Take off in the swim, and I thought, I'm probably going to be somewhere near the front in the swim. Two guys bolted off, and I'm thinking, oh, bugger that. I'm going to have to see if I can chase them down. And then I remembered it was, uh, our race didn't start till 12, 15. So, yep. And I'd been there since 8 o'clock, so you're four hours on your feet, and I really wasn't stressed about the race. It was a training, yep. more of a training session. It wasn't very focused, didn't go through all the planning stuff. I was sort of swimming through the first bit of the swim, going, oh, well, I'll be by myself. And then I went, oh, shit, this is draft league, wasn't it? <laughs> Better get a oh, move, better, okay. really oh, yeah, move on, yeah. see if I can catch these guys. They blew up, caught them up, passed them on the swim. And so I was sort of first coming out of the swim. And so that was all good. Nice. And So are you doing an age group race, are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get, jump on the bike. Well, I, Mozza getting on the bike, completely <laughs> missed my pedals. And just, it was emba- I was laughing. Luckily, there was nobody around because it was embarrassing. Uh, yeah, the end is face plant. Yeah. And it was, it was an uphill start. And so there's one guy with me, he's a young fellow, I'm thinking, oh, he might be a bit, he might be all right here on the bike. And uh, he got a little bit of a lead on me, and then I sort of caught him up, and it was four-lap bike course with a pretty decent hill every lap. And, uh, and he's got a bit of a lead, and then I just spanked it up the hill. I looked at my stats and thought, that's probably why I dropped him, because I went like 400 watts for, for a minute or something like that. He dropped off, I think, oh, well, solo TT yep. now. And then he ended up being about, 200 metres behind me for the rest of the ride oh you should have stayed and, with him and I thought wow, why don't you stick with me yeah. <laughs> and because uh, it was really windy and so I'm thinking oh well that's okay did that uh, situation do you sit up no nah, I was just I mean no because yeah. I I don't think it would have would have helped much if there'd been if it'd been a strategic race and you know there's maybe guys coming from behind yep. that could run you down then you might start thinking about it because you can conserve energy if there's two of you yeah so but I was just training as a training session so I didn't yep. really think about that too much and then, because uh, I thought he was going to blow up as well, and uh, but he kept it even the whole way through, so good on him. And I was riding reasonably hard, so that's all good. Come off the bike, and he's actually caught me up by the time we've completely finished the bike ride. In transition together, I, I managed to get out of transition first, ran past him, said, hey, maybe we should have ridden together. Oh, did you? <laughs> and then uh, my plan for the run, I'm thinking, 
I'm only doing four minute Ks. I'm not running faster than four minute Ks. How far was the run? It's 5K. Okay. Not doing fast. It's a four minute Ks for me. Planch, is, man. Is, is, it's about half Ironman pace. So it's not gunning it at all. But I haven't run five, uh, haven't run for two weeks pretty much. I've done some short runs, but nothing significant. Um, and I'm thinking, just got to be sensible. And I'm pulling out. If my hamstring starts to hurt at all, I'm pulling out. Yep. So running along. 405 first K, that's okay. okay. So I just had to Being button off a little nice. bit. Four K, four. Yeah. Next K, about 405. I think okay. the first three Ks were 405s. Good. This guy in the process, so he'd pass me straight away, young fella, yeah. takes off. And I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. I'm yeah. okay I've with got this. my plan. Got my plan. Yeah. Just sing with this. He gets about 50 meters on me and then the gap just kind of stalls. I'm thinking, I'm just sticking to my 405s, just sticking to my 405s. Then competitive big three, juice comes on, doesn't no, it? Three Ks, then three Ks in, I'm going, he's coming back to me. I'm not speeding up. He's exploding. <sighs> Better speed. Busted out a 340 to go past him. Um, and then did another K that about the similar sort of pace. Uh, why can't you just not blow up? Because now I've got to go a bit quicker. So I, I went off script a little bit. But you won? And then I won. But there was not really any competition there. Hey, what, what did you do? Yeah. National champion again. How time we go? Tom did well. He got uh, tenth. He's in an age group where he's there for two years, so racing guys that are a year older than him. So he did uh, did well. All the what distance does he do? They did a three hundred meter swim, ten k, ten k bike, ten. I think it was ten k bike, three k run. So no, he he was pretty good. You know, when you if you go A plus performance, A A minus B, he was probably like a an A to an A minus. Okay. You know, could have done tiny bit better and it's close racing for those guys I think he was only 17 seconds off 6th or 7th or something okay. like that so it's pretty short stuff so it was good successful weekend few national titles for the Kiwi for the Cant- Cantabrians so it was all good and you're a national champion again mm. was it national sprint champion are you yes how many weeks in your field not a great deal <laughs> I haven't actually investigated that uh, there was only maybe 75 in the whole age group race so well, it was not on oh, the big. whole age group race yeah so you win the whole age group race yes Wow, you're a legend. Mm. So you're you're the best ever. Yes, correct. Keep it coming, Bevan. Keep it coming. Yeah. <laughs> presence of a legend. <laughs> like I won the Canterbury Half Marathon champs a couple of years ago. With like this is a, a long time ago, eh? No, this was only a couple of years ago. Oh. It was like a, nobody was there. Oh really? And I ran like a one eighteen or something. And I'm thinking, at best, I'd probably be in the top fifty in Canterbury, probably. And uh, nobody at best, a lot of people can do it. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So that was. Uh, Bit like that at the weekend. Hey, didn't hurt my hamstring, so it's all good in the hood. All good in the hood. When I first started seeing Joe, because Joe is mm. a bit kind of proper, and uh, and that was one of my favourite things. All good in the hood. Mm-hmm. And she, she got that out of you. Well, no, no. She goes, she goes to me, Bevan. Today was at work, and someone asked me something, and I said, "All good in the hood." <laughs> she was a bit shocked. She had said it. I said, oh, "My influence is rubbing off." Uh, Do you, you have a big weekend, Bevan? Warriors won. Woohoo! Oh my god, that was hard work. <laughs> War- it was basically the Tigers are the worst team ever and the Warriors are the second worst team ever and it was basically 10 minutes ago and it was like who wants to lose the most <laughs> seriously I only saw was, the highlights it was like they're just dropping the ball the whole time it was like seriously the last 10 minutes was one team drops the ball no 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 you drop the ball now no you have a go <laughs> it was unbelievably horrible uh, what's my cost oh uh, well we went to a went to a, went around to a friend's house on Saturday night the next morning got the COVID call mm. I haven't got it but <laughs> yeah, I've kept away from the COVID. I'm, I'm, God knows how I've done it. Yeah, because the thing of the gym, the gym is a cesspool of mm. yeah. But I'm, 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 obviously, I'm immune to it, John. Mm. You've had it? Uh, I don't think so. No. Um, next week, but we're going to, have to do this show over Zoom. Okay. 
because because you are going to get COVID. <laughs> get COVID. Uh, no, I'm going to Tikapo and I'm going to record my audiobook. Mm. So, problem in my life is I'm always sound crusty. You guys know this. I always sound crusty because I scream too much at people. So the only way I can record my audiobook mm. is to not scream at people for a few days. Mm. So from Thursday onwards, I'm taking day off, taking time off work till Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Go to Tikapo on Saturday, solo mission. Mm-hmm. Me and my lonesome. Mm-hmm. I reckon it's probably going to take me about 20 hours to record it. Nice. So I'm going to beast out 20 hours of recording. And then that's about it, really. Other than that, I'm, you know what? What? I get my running mojo back. Nice. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not killing it, but I've been running. I've added a fourth run in last week. So I've been running consistently for about six weeks now. And then on Sunday, I've got my, my favorite run. My favorite run here from home is I run up the hill, mm-hmm. up Harry. Yep. So this is a gentle uphill, probably. Oh, what was Harry Hill? Probably like 3 to yeah. 4%, something like that. Beautiful trail. Get to the top, go behind onto um, Crater Rim. It's a, it's a trail, not trail shoes trail, but you know, a few bumps and lumps. Yeah, and, and then you kind of climb upstairs and a bit rocky and, um, and stay on that pathway all the way until you get to the one before Rapeki. It's a great podcasting for people oh, who people don't love Christchurch. Do you run that much? A little bit. It's one of my. It's so beautiful, and what's so cool about it is you got the first bit, which is quite. You kind of well, you can run it, but there are bits you may have to march mm. or walk, um, and then you come out where you know the, the, just by the sugar loaf, and then you go behind, and you become these beautiful little tree lined. Oh, this mm. is so stunning! And then you come on the other side, and you run on that trail underneath, mm-hmm. underneath Summit Road, which is always you run that one much. A little bit, yep. Oh, they always run fast on that. Yep. Because the downhill is just perfect downhill. Gold people. Oh, I love not, it. Non-Christchurch people are loving this. And then I ran back down Harry back home. Yeah. Harry's not a person. It's Harry L. Harry L. Yep. Well, he was a person. Yeah, but you're true. Yep. I think he was one of the ones who did the did the first path over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe even done Sonotaki. Maybe. Right. Um, but anyway, first time I've you know I've been running for about six weeks. Nothing hard. Just getting my body back to running, and I felt good. You go. You know when you feel good. You'll you be out running me, no problems. I'm. Oh no, not fast. Yeah, not fast. Yeah, not good. Nice. But not fast. There's there's a difference between good and fast. I'm not, I'm not very fast anymore. What do you reckon you can pull off nowadays? For what distance? What are we talking? Ten k. Ten k. I'd be happy with anything with a 35 with it. 35.59 would be... Oh, there's record. no way I could do 35.59 mm. right now. Mm. I'd be pretty happy with 38. Right. Yeah. But I'm coming back because I'm feeling good. Right. <laughs> right let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.